Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Gotham City. I'm your host, Levi Rosman. This is a podcast where I talk to people who live in the chess world on the 64 squares and also beyond them. And in this episode, I'm super excited to be joined by international master Irene Sukander. She is from Indonesia. Uh, she was a main character in the entire Dewa Kipas uh, fiasco uh, event in early 2021. Uh, and she is fully involved in chess as a professional chess player and uh, everything in between from, you know, making courses in Bahasa to uh, being on the developmental committee for Southeast Asia and FIDE. I hope you enjoy our conversation. How long were you in quarantine? Uh, this time it was only four, four nights and five days. So it was, it was pretty short compared to the previous quarantines that I had before. I once uh, had like, an eight-day quarantine and then ten-day quarantine. This is so far is the shortest. They're just getting shorter because of the rules. Like uh, it's very specifically like eight days, ten days, etc. Yeah, yeah. The government just uh, modified the rules uh, depending on the number of the cases of the COVID nineteen or Omicron these days. Uh, if we have like a very high rate, they normally prolong the quarantine. But if the number is quite you know, stable and it's all right, then they will just um, turn it down. Makes sense. I don't know how it's like over there, but it, the past uh, two, three weeks uh, in, New, in New York, it almost feels like COVID never happened. Like, oh. like we, it's, it's as if we've just completely moved on. Um, yeah, it's, it's the same with Europe too. Like before I went to the UK, you know, how people said in the news, like it's, it's, it's very... Um, worrying over there with the number with all the cases and stuff but when i was there it's pretty much everyone was so relaxed you know um mask i don't know whether it's mandatory or not but people are just pretty much relaxed and not wearing them uh so much in public or anything yeah it's it, it's it feels surreal uh i i don't actually exactly know why but I, sometimes uh i I look at the news, for example, God forbid, but like uh, sometimes you actually read the news. Um, mm -hmm. So recently, it's all Russia, Ukraine. That's like dominating yeah. my, my Twitter. And, you know, every day some new information. I mean, I just I just couldn't care less if I'm being complete. Like, I, I obviously, I, I don't, I want people to live their life. I don't want anybody to die. It's just a matter of like, the news goes on these crusades of pumping this information at you for weeks and weeks at a time and so for a while here it was what's the next variant after omicron you have to get your omicron booster well like what happened like now no one's talking about any covid anymore and, and, and i feel like people are just like ah, okay whatever no mask um i still put a mask on like in the train you know or like uh, close space but i yeah it's it's been two years it's been a crazy two years um yeah very crazy, actually. Um, you know, almost a year ago, and this is probably the best subject to start this podcast on. Um, <laughs> I so I I knew who you were. Uh, we had never interacted. I just knew you were like strong player. You had been to the states, uh, and you were from Indonesia. And we had we have we have so many mutual friends too. You mean one? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell if you were joking. Uh, well, I may, we definitely have mutual like acquaintances. I I don't know if. I think your friends just maybe like know I exist. I'm not so sure. I'm so friendly with them, but definitely Eric Rosen, right? Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but you 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 were in Webster for how many years? 
uh technically two years but i finished my my courses for one and a half i, I was taking my master's there in what in international relations you know international relations is a subject that like i've seen i've seen that those words before but what exactly is international relations before we get into the good meaty it's, subject but what, what exactly is that it's pretty much like you know you can just change it a lot to be like international politics let's say so yeah it's, it's 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 politics in about international about other countries and so on but since i was studying in the u.s so uh i was looking from the u.s perspective etc oh. so it, it's it's interesting because i was also learning about the system of the cabinet in the u.s which is much different to mine well, okay not very much different but of course there's many things to learn like all this theory or everything they are very new it's just the same thing like if you're if you're studying law in your country and then you are trying to also study law in another country you basically have to start it from uh from the start like yeah. like you can't just um continue it because some theory and then some applications they are not very applicable to one another yeah no of course uh i can you even practice law in two countries? I don't know. If you're certified, I guess. I mean, if you get licensed, I mm. don't know how it works. But I mean, yeah, for sure. If you have time to study in both countries and then have license or whatever you need to do, I think you can. Uh, yeah, it's... Um... Law is really tricky. I think even in the United States, again, I might be talking complete nonsense, but I'm fairly, <laughs> I'm fairly certain you can be certified to practice law in one state. Like you, I, I don't exactly know the process of even practicing in multiple. So I, I, I it's, it's a whole different thing here because every state here also has different uh, laws, regulations. Uh, like for example, you could uh, theoretically travel state to state to play online poker. Like we were briefly discussing. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, po poker before we went live, but um, yeah, it's uh, so you could I could literally drive like 15 minutes, and I I can gamble on sports, and I drive back to my house, and now I can't gamble on sports anymore. I don't know why it's like that, but you know, some some things the government I guess doesn't really want to get involved in. But uh, is is international something in in that career? Is that something that you were interested in? Have you always kind of yeah, I was always uh, wanting to be a diplomat, actually, since I was very young, because all of these travels um, for chess, yeah. you know, I visited so many countries and then I visited Indonesian embassies in, in various countries as well. So I kind of learned and uh, tried to um, understand like what is going on, like how these things work and so on, uh, one relation from one country to another and and things like that it was it was interesting to me but um i don't know whether i can apply it in the normal life i mean i like learning about it and but after after i graduated i pretty much just stuck in chess <laughs> yeah i was going i was going to ask you like what's the how do you even become a diplomat? I mean, what is the process like? You would have, you have to apply probably through Indonesia because it's where you're a citizen, right? And somehow become... Yeah. Okay. I, I know how it works. I just have to apply uh, as an employee in the, in the um, 
foreign affairs office and then you know if your career takes off very well then one day you know it has it takes a few years to be like a diplomat and then to be a real representative of your country in another country so not that easy i i can imagine uh all i know about diplomats is that they get their own license plates do you know that like and it, it, when when it, for example here like in new york if a car is driving by it has a license plate it says new york or new jersey yeah. but yeah. it can also say diplomat you get like your yeah. own license plate that's pretty cool <laughs> Just... yeah yeah i've i've been um you know when i was traveling i would always um contact the local embassy like indonesian embassy in the respective oh. country and um since i've been traveling a lot i've I know lots of ambassadors sometime. Um, okay, like for, for example, a few years ago, I traveled to Moscow and I met one particular ambassador. And then um, a, few, a few years later, he was assigned to be uh, the ambassador in Beijing, China. And I met him again and so on. Or if I went to some other country, um, I would just ask one ambassador if, if he knows uh, our ambassador in that particular country. So that, you know, it's kind of, it's, 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 very there is some family feeling about it you know and uh especially when i'm playing for a tournament and i represent indonesia they would be very happy to welcome me so indonesian embassies all over the world where i'm visiting they've been very very helpful wow including the u.s I actually went to the Indonesian embassy in Washington DC for a few times. There was one time when uh, we celebrated Indonesian Independence Day on August 17, and I was being invited from St. Louis to fly to DC just to give a simul for the diplomats who got invited from uh, Indonesian embassy. So not local diplomats, not Indonesian diplomats, but uh, wow. diplomats from other embassies. So it was, it was pretty cool. Wow, that's amazing. That's uh, when did you start realizing that you could make such strong connections in the world of chess? Very early. Um, <laughs> my father taught me so many things about politics in the early age and uh, connections, networkings, and etc. You know, uh, I was not care much about money or anything. And then I think this is like the very uh, fundamental of politics itself. Like we don't care about money. Power is everything, but through power, nah, we got... in, the, in the States, we care about money too, but you know, no, 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 no. <laughs> money will come in the end, uh, but yeah. at first you have to seize the power. You have to seize the connection. That's all. Yeah. 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 Well, here we also have something called lobbying, which is where, mm -hmm. you know, you can mm -hmm. pay money to get power. So we, we have some, some, asterisks. you mean bribing? <laughs> It's called lobbying. We put a fancy term on it, and There's we in line to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it illegal in uh, in Indonesia for um, for folks in the in the government to like uh, trade stocks or no? Oh, I haven't looked into that regulation. I don't know. I don't know actually. But isn't it okay? Oh no no no. I agree. Yeah, because then you can. Yeah, you, yeah. you have some. Let me, uh, inside influence and so on. Yeah, I was reading about it. I don't think it's allowed, but I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not really sure. I'm. I'm just asking because it's you know it's currently trendy. Uh, a lot of our 
folks in Congress uh, basically knew what was going to happen, you know, when COVID hit and a lot of them uh, made good decisions financially. So they yeah. earned, you know, a ton of money. So yeah, it's very tricky. I mean, it's very, very tricky. And sometimes I'm, uh, I'm in favor of the fact that you should have a cap to how long you can even serve uh, in <laughs> government, you know, like, okay, 20 years. I mean, come on, that's enough. Get, get, get out of here, get the next generation, etc. Because we have some people who are yeah. in Congress in their late 80s. Like go home. <laughs> like what? You, um, let like Irene take your place. You know, like let the <laughs> let a let a young uh, individual who's gonna you know do good things for the next few decades. Yeah, it's it's very hard to it, it's it's deeply rooted in the system. It's very hard to restructure it again. Yeah, there's also the argument that uh, you know the older you are, the wiser you have to respect your elders, etc. So it's. It's, uh, that's, that's actually more applicable in the Asian culture or Eastern culture instead of Western, I would say. Uh, so if it's uh, something that that people have been saying, like in the US or in Europe, I think it would pretty much like, come on, it's our culture. It's not yours. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's very much a thing there. I know. It's, um, I think, uh, in in. Jewish culture as well. Uh, mm. My, I mean, my grandma makes good use of it. Anytime she says something and we disagree, she's like, "I'm 75. I know best." I'm like, "All right, okay, you win." Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, we, we. <laughs> it's been about a year, Irene, since uh, <laughs> both of our lives were permanently <laughs> changed by an event. And so I'm just curious. I know. You know I, I, I don't talk about it a whole lot. Every now and then I still get uh, some funny comments like on Instagram or on YouTube. But just a one minute summary for anybody in the audience that doesn't know uh, about very early March 2021, uh, I played a game of chess on chess.com. I thought my opponent didn't play fair. Uh, that person was banned. And then that account, you know, the, the, the story blew up uh, in Indonesia uh, with a, you know, there was a kid, there was a dad, and it, it just sort of exploded. So, Irene, I'm just curious, like, mm -hmm. how do you look back on that time? Uh, how was it? How was it for you? How was how, how was that time? Like what you still think about it? Is this, you know, or is it just sort of something that occurred? How has your life changed since then in a good and a well, bad way? Yeah, I mean, a year has passed. I reflected um, a lot of things. Of course, back then it was such a, this is just a whole fiasco, right? Like everything was pretty messed up. I, um, it's something that I, I didn't even think about the outcome that would be like that, you know? Uh, I'm sure no one predicted it anyway. So, um but yeah, nowadays it's just, uh, there's always a silver lining to everything. I was pretty much tortured during the period of all the issue, this scandal issue, like uh, with all this bullying and stuff. I'm sure, um, yeah, you also suffered the same thing. So, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so, oh yeah, so the silver lining is just, okay, things, has, things have passed already and uh, now... Okay, after after the scandal, chess has hit its peak, I would say, like of in terms of popularity. So I was just trying to um, um, get it, you know, with the anything like the chess flow in Indonesia. Like everyone started to play chess. Everyone started to talk about chess before 
if I was talking about my occupation, they would be like, ah, oh, you're a chess player. Oh, okay, that's it, you know? But now, if I'm talking about, okay, I'm a chess player, I play chess since I was seven, and so on and so on. Oh, have you watched this, uh, the Queen's Gambit series? Um, uh, how do you relate with Beth Harmon? And are, the play, are chess players like that? So I think in a way, people are more educated about chess and just, just chess in general and and. Uh, as an like occupation, like chess player is a real thing. Before they would, they would be like, um, can you actually make money from chess? Well, there are so many ways to make money from chess. I mean, look at you, right, Levy? Um, very successful, successful streamer. I mean, you don't need to be just a chess player. I mean, chess is just a tool for opening doors of opportunities, I would say. Like there are so many things that we can take from chess. So uh, I think people are more uh, respecting chess nowadays in Indonesia and I think also in, in other countries. So so I think it's 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 um, pretty much a positive outcome of what happened. Oh, absolutely. I, I actually, I was under the impression that as, uh, as time was going on, uh, and again, we're not going to like take it on a you know day by day basis. I a, a lot a lot of people do know what happened. Sometimes when I talk about it on stream, people are like, "What? What happened?" Like uh, I I don't know. Uh, but it's it's not that hard to look up, guys. There there's you know many articles. Uh, if you want to go do a fun deep dive, but looking back, yeah, on a like every day seemed like it was it was just so stressful and and. Uh, uh, nobody knew the, the the right thing to do, but then there was this final match, and sort of like that was the stamp on the on the whole fiasco. Uh, you got you know you got paid, uh, even he got paid, <laughs> um, and so I remember in the fallout, like shortly thereafter, I was watching. You got invited to some news shows. You got some sponsor. I remember there was uh, I forget what it was. Was it coffee? Uh, some some sort of. Like coffee sponsor on Instagram, so it, it definitely opened oh, up. Oh, some... it's some endorsements. Yeah, it was just some endorsements. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just one of the outcomes, anyway. So, um, but it's good they're they're finally uh, using some chess phase, you know, um, for their for for products here in Indonesia, Bef because before chess players are not really being looked at, you know, because yeah. chess is not yeah. it's it's not a popular sport. Indonesia, we have we have football. Or soccer that's our most popular one and then we have badminton and and other sports like racing let it be like um car racing or or motor racing but chess is, is nowhere in the charts so i'm just i'm just happy how things turn out it's not only for me but of course the whole thing have um i have given like many positive outcomes for other chess players as well. I don't know, maybe for their businesses, you know, for, I don't know, like chess books business or chess sets business, or which actually right after the match in many online uh, platforms, like like Indonesian Amazon, for example, mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're, they were being sold out with chess set. Like you can't buy chess set from them anymore because it's mm. it's totally sold out. So something like that. So it's, it's just some um, tiny fact that, I think it made me happy, like how chess was being appreciated in the end. Well, did you uh, did you make some effort to kind of become maybe like the chess teacher, like the the go to individual for uh, for for folks interested in it? 
Uh, like what were folks looking at? I mean, I'm sure the Google searches and everything were, were super up uh, in Indonesia for chess. So like how, how did they learn? Was it just YouTube? Or like I know, were you trying to make some content or working with mm -hmm. Chess Kid? Yeah, yeah. I was trying to make some content, but I couldn't keep it up because um, it's just taking a toll of me because I have many other responsibilities as well. And I was working with Chess Kids. Yes, it is a very good partnership because um, my vision has always been with kids uh, because they are our they are our next generation. So um, that's why the thing with Chasket is it's very good, not only for Chasket Indonesia, but also Chasket has this vision for other countries as well. Uh, so, and then um, after the whole thing as well, there are so many chess clubs being born and also the chess schools, they are, I think, um, very much occupied with new students. So um, this whole booms, you know, it's, it's, um, it's actually quite, heartwarming so um, but in my part I'm also trying to give some talks some seminar um, or if it's about really about technical chess then I'm, I'm also giving some coaching clinics so whatever I'm required to uh, because this is this is a very um, good timing for chess to text off higher than it was before what kind of uh, clinics do you do like for talented kids like 2000 or adults or diplomats not, not adults not adults okay mostly kids mostly kids i think 80 percent kids and then um the rest it would be just about okay if some company you know some some private co coaching with the company employees and also some university students just to get them going you know uh, i don't know how much further they can take with chess but there's always a good time to start and there is never a wrong reason to start playing chess so that's why uh not only about technical chess itself but i'm also giving some um you know like moral advice like oh you don't have to be uh, you don't have to be how to say it, like uh being inferior if you're not uh, much better than your friends or anything. Just start learning chess, start playing chess. It's good for your brain anyway, no matter what. You don't have to play competitively. Uh, chess has so many benefits. So I'm trying to convince them in other perspective. But of course, if I'm giving like coaching clinics to the talented students or kids, um, it would be more thorough. It would be more just anything that I'm required to. Just if it's that platform that I would be trying to adjust to uh, whatever they need me to be. That makes sense. Is it difficult in Indonesia to, uh, like if you're a kid that's interested in chess that wants to become the you know world's youngest grandmaster, is it difficult to have access to tournaments? Uh, no, it's not, it's no? not difficult at all, no. There's a, there's a lot of tournaments and there's... Yeah. I actually envy the current generation because when I was starting out uh, in chess, oh my goodness, uh, there were only like one or two tournaments in the span of two months or three months and it would be outside Jakarta. So my family and I, we had to travel and it would be costing money, time, energy, and especially my parents had to take um uh, of days from work and yeah, it would yeah. be so much sacrifice but nowadays tournaments are basically everywhere they're classing to one another in terms of dates 
you can just play one tournament here, you can play one tournament there. Of course, uh, we are talking about the COVID before the COVID times because now uh, they are still trying to uh, restart uh, the OTB tournaments again. But before the COVID times, uh, tournaments were everywhere for kids, for juniors, in any age group, even for girls. So um, the access to be a good chess player or the youngest grandmaster uh, in Indonesia is there. It's just that how much extra mile that you're willing to take. Because um, as for me, I pretty much had to sacrifice my childhood. All my teenager years, I spent it for training, for tournaments, for traveling overseas. And yeah, I, I had only little time to play with my friends. So, uh, and with the with the current world, with the technology advancements, you know, you have to use it to your benefit, not making it as an obstacle. So this is actually um, um, what the challenge is nowadays for the younger generation. It's true. I mean, when I think about the the major prodigy that I'm aware of from Indonesia, uh, I, I played him, <laughs> uh, Mr. Uh, Satria Dutta. And... Mm -hmm. uh, I remember he he was sort of he was sort of used as evidence that I could be beaten, um, but I was like uh, kind of laughing about it because he was uh, I mean, he's just a, he's a very talented kid, uh, and I I even I I covered one of his matches a bit later. It's uh, while we were talking, I looked at his FIDE profile. So he's one of these kids who's just going to be a nightmare in the next uh, year or two because. His blitz rating on chess.com the past several years has gone up to 25, 2600, but his FIDE rating is 1700. <laughs> so this little dude is just going to steal points from people, you know, like he just played yeah. a tournament, he beat an IM. I mean, it's a very scary time right now in chess. Uh, these young kids, they just stay home, they play on chess.com, they play hundreds of games a day. I mean, when you set them loose on over the board tournaments, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. Like, did you? I think we, you and I spoke about this. You you didn't play much online, right? You didn't back in the day. You weren't like an online. Blitz no, no, no. I was. I was not really an online player. No, I'm trying to discipline myself, but yeah, but I, I play. I play. I play online tournaments uh, here and then because well, there's nothing much you could do in the COVID times anyway. So most of the tournaments they switch it to online. Even like I play some European Club Cup. I played um, all this. Olympiad, even Olympiad was online. So in a way I was trying to, um, yeah, adjust myself to this online life. Not that because I liked it, just because I had to. Makes sense. What, but if you didn't play online back in the day, like what, how did you practice? You just played over the board? Basically yes. just one. Wow. Yeah. I traveled a lot. That's why I met, I met lots of friends who could, uh, who could be my sparring partners. But yeah, I mean, I play online. It's not that I'm <laughs> not playing online at all. I play just for training games. It's not like, oh, yeah. I'm having spare time right now. Let's play some Blitz and so on. No, I, I, I didn't really do that. Unless I was very bored. <laughs> well, yeah, I was playing on uh, all sorts of different online servers back in the day and... Uh playing bullet crazy house i mean all these different formats i think it's that's a very uh i think that's a very u.s thing i think if you were a chess kid growing up in the u.s your parents mm. uh put you in front of a screen if they could so you would you know be quiet 
<laughs> and I, and I, I think chess kids had the benefit of growing up uh, saying, well, I can use the screen because I'm not using it for something stupid. You know, I'm playing chess. Mm. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we would. Um, but it's it's the same, like, you know, video games and everything. It's 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 common here to grow up uh, with a, some sort of video games or chess or, you know, talking trash anonymously on the Internet. And uh, yeah, in chess, luckily, there's no voice chat. So you can't like curse at your opponent while it's going on. But uh, in video games, there was this component. And uh, I think uh, kids who grew up in the late 90s uh, or even early 90s, uh, they, they, they got to experience that. And even to this day, I think because of online chess, I might have played like 600, 500,000 chess games in my life. Uh, hasn't really helped. But <laughs> um, well, speaking, speaking of hasn't really helped, at least uh, for me, was your goal always a uh, GM? What was your kind of competitive goal? What, like, what did you want it to stop at? And um, were you always kind of going to play and until a point or you were going to pursue a career at some point? Uh, yeah, I think it's important to set a goal, right? And I think uh, my goal of being a grandmaster is still pretty objective even to this day. Mm -hmm. And I had one GM norm already in hand. and. Um, when? I when mean, did you get that? Oh, it was years ago, 2012. Oh my gosh, 10 years ago. Where, where, did, where did you get it? I, I, want, I want the Asian continental. So it's like being an Asian champion uh, guaranteed you the GM norm. And I mean, not, not really guaranteed, guaranteed actually, because I won it again two years later, but I didn't get the norm because uh, it, it, it would be depending the average uh, rating of the openings and, and so on and so on. But that year in 2012, um, everything just perfect. And uh, I got the norm. So yeah, one norm and um, okay, my rating just dropped down to 23, what is it now? 2378 or anything. So I, I dropped my 30 points just in the recent tournament in December in Spain. I was playing like a total beginner, just losing one game after another. This is, uh, I think, the 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 lowest I've been in a few years uh, in terms of rating, and never in my life that my standard and no, never in my life that my uh, rapid rating was higher than my standard. But it just happened after oh. I dropped. Yeah, because now both my both my rapid and uh, my blitz rating they are over twenty four hundred. My standard rating is the only one that's below 2400. Uh, but it's okay. It's okay. There are still so many tournaments to play, and I think I will I will catch up again. And I met um, in Gibraltar. Okay, I didn't gain so much. I only gained three. But then after that, I played this foreign CL, uh, some something like English League or Premier League, if you call it in soccer. And um, I think I gained about three or four. So it's okay. So. So far in 2022, I, I'm gaining. I, I, I'm not losing anything. So looking forward for the next ones. Yeah, I was, I was see, trying to see where the Gibraltar was. But uh, yeah, I saw, um, I saw the report for February. I was, I was going to go down and try to find that tournament that, uh, in, in, oh, here, July 20, 2012, when you gained 59 rating points. Wow. Wow. July 2012. Oh yeah, yes. But it was it was such a funny story because I remember uh okay, the turn that tournament, uh this Asian Continental was in May. 
And then in April, I played two tournaments in Australia where I dropped like almost 60 points there. So it's like, you know, of course, in a span of like two weeks after Australia and um, the Asian continental, I couldn't believe myself that I would win the tournament, especially after such a horrible performance in Australia. But somehow I made it. So yeah, that wow. was quite memorable. Yeah, I'm looking. Oh my God, you really did not like playing in Australia. <laughs> wow, <laughs> what happened? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> this just happened like that. So um, since then, I was pretty much used to such a big losses, but also such a big gain. So that's why I'm I'm quite optimistic. Even though I I drop almost like thirty in Spain in December, I'm I'm gonna gain I'm gonna gain all the ratings back. That's so fascinating. Yeah, I mean, like going back the, when you were extremely active. Mm -hmm. here, here are your rating swings: <laughs> plus sixty-one. A <laughs> couple months later, minus twenty-eight. You gain like eleven. You lose thirty-six. You gain twenty. <laughs> you lose twenty-five. You gain twenty-five. You lose sixty. You gain sixty. You, you gain fifteen. Then you kind of chill out for a little bit. Uh, then it's like kind of quiet for a little bit. Then it's like a couple of years later, minus 26, minus 24, plus 40, plus 18, <laughs> plus 21. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you, you kind of, you kind of are like, I feel like this is how I play. Like, for example, when I, when I run hot, I feel like I can crush everybody. Mm. Um, but when I, and I mean, now it's like a totally different experience playing over the board because it's not just me anymore. I mean, it's. You know, there's the whole yeah, right. making recaps and then and, and everything and holding myself accountable to a large audience. It's very different now. So I, I don't know if I will ever kind of have uh, consistent good results. But um, is it what do you think that's about? It's just for you. Is it playing style? Is it? Uh... It's, it's yeah, obviously it was my playing style. I mean, I was, I was very much an attacking player and uh, well, uh, attacking means you're taking risk. And sometimes it just didn't work. And I always played, I always tried to play in the stronger tournaments. So I think that's why my rating was, uh, you know, up and down, up and down. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to always play in stronger tournaments than myself, uh, just trying to learn as much as, much as I can. Uh, yeah, all I need is stability, fun intended. <laughs> are you... Uh... Are you extremely organized with uh, all your kind of games, files, everything? Like uh, you play a game, you put it into chess base, you analyze it, you remember key moments, you save it in a games database. Next yep. game? Okay. I'm pretty much disciplined because I think I was, I was um, being taught in the early stage of my career, uh, according to the <laughs> Russian chess of school. I mean, most of my oh. uh, early foreign trainers, they're all Russians or surroundings you know like or from georgia or from ukraine so they pretty much impacted the way i'm playing even though i'm um, attacking but i'm trying to be more cultured you know learning about all these classics and then the principles and um uh less about abstract thinking more to like principle principle and principle and not only over the board but also uh out of the board like um this is what i should do when i when I'm training myself, um, this is what I should do when I'm keying my 
my games and to analyze it and so on. Uh, there was one moment actually um, where I don't know where, whether I can I can actually mention his name. He's one he's one of the best trainers in the world, and he still advised me to actually uh, write down all the moves in a notebook and then annotate it in the old fashioned way. I tried to do that in one tournament, but I couldn't I couldn't give it until the next one because it's just so much hard work. Like you're really writing on a notebook. This is what I'm thinking over the game. And then I think this is what I should do. You know, just writing everything down, not only the moves, but but your thoughts as well. Uh, but not, not at the board, right? Like after. After, after, oh, yeah, yeah, after, yeah, yeah, after the game, after the game. So yes. it's yes. like, it's, it's very manual and which I'm, which I was not used to it. Uh, it was a very good advice though. I mean, I think it's just every person, they kind of like work differently. Maybe that was best for him, but maybe it was not very suitable for me. And with my lifestyle that I just want to get it, everything uh, quickly done, uh, you know, it's not something that I'd like to keep as my lifestyle. So yeah. And then, um, also, I was working in when I was in Ukraine for like a month. My trainer kept this pile of yellowish pages of old notebooks, you know. So he was just going through the principle and then the sample. Um, I could say his name actually. I was, I was working with Tukmakov. Uh, and then he never brought a computer when he was training me, which I appreciated. I mean, I, I, you know, uh, maybe he just didn't transfer everything to the computer. But anyway, he brought this old notebook and then he was just, oh, OK, let's 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 um, learn about this principle. Let's say whatever, like uh, second witnesses. And then he would he would open the sample case of the second witnesses and then ask me every move, like, what are you thinking? Uh, how do you calculate like from a very basic stuff? I remember this was in June. 2010 mm. and then it, it was as good as I could tell because in July 2010 I won two IM norms I was 18 that time uh, it was huge for me I mean I got my first two IM norms in July just a month after that and then in September I played in the Olympiad in Russia Kantimansisk and I won my final IM norm there so I think I think what he taught me just restructured everything that I've I've known and I've learned before. I think it's good, you know, for you to sometimes unlearn about everything and relearn it again in a better way. And I think this is something that you have to do it like regularly because even until now, uh, I'm trying to, you know, if I receive new information about stuff, especially about chess, I was trying to remember what I learned, but I was trying to also empty my mind like. Will this information be uh, related or, you know, be beneficial to what I've known before or something like that? So unlearn and relearn. So I'm, I'm a big believer in something called chess karma. Uh, <laughs> what which, is it? Which is, it's kind of what you just described. It's uh, when, when you put in really good, like non-bullshit, like hard work into chess doesn't matter what like whether it's you know daily chess tempo tactics exercises i really like chess tempo for people of our level 
uh, I think, um, have you ever tried chess tempo? Not that I can remember. Do but you... I might try it after this. Right. Yeah, yeah. So chess tempo is uh, like super GMs use it. Vidit uses it. Like you see his name on the leaderboard. It's um, it's a very good. It's a good website for you can either do blitz training, so like you know, quick calculation, like one to three minute, uh, or the puzzles are just like impossible. They take twenty minutes to solve. Um, but it's it, it's it's a good website. Like I, I believe that if you if you put in the work on any phase of the game, it will pay off, even if it's not immediate. So even if you're training with uh, Tukmakov with no computer. Only end games calculation. In the next tournament, you're gonna get some prep on the board, and you're gonna crush your opponent, even though you didn't, you know, you weren't necessarily working on it back there, because it just f sort of feels like when you put in the work in chess, like actually, really, really put in the work, not just some vague description of it. Uh, it pays off, uh, and rarely it doesn't. Like you know, sometimes you work your ass off, and then your next tournament sucks, and that. That is rare, but it you know it does happen. Um, so, I believe in uh, I believe in that sort of chess karma, uh, and obviously your mental state has to be good. Like everything has to be good. You have to be good at bouncing back from defeat, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, I I found an appreciation for what you just described, like the no computer stuff. Because I feel like back in the day, the folks that had to actually source all the paper material all the magazines, mm -hmm. all the, you know, one guy analyzed the game in a magazine somewhere. You had to find it. You have to bring it. And it's just all in your mind. It's just yes. all in your mind. And uh, I, I, I would, I'm like a firm believer in the fact that if that's your approach, you can still get to like 24, 2500, maybe even 2550, 26. At a certain point, though, you need that engine because you need the prep and you need, uh, just need the computer back stuff uh, because Kids nowadays are booked up that are twenty one hundred. So you need, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you need yeah. Nowadays, nowadays you cannot live without computer anyway. Even the strongest or the best uh, trainers in the world, they also are using um, engines. But uh, what we need to highlight here is the importance of understanding before everything else. Like you have to have some sort of understanding, like a very good fundamental mm -hmm. of thinking of yeah, just pretty much understanding to know what is computer is actually talking about. Even until now, sometimes I was like, what is computer telling me? Why this move? You know, I still can't understand about it, let alone, for example, like a 2000 or even below. Like yeah. if they switch the engine and then just copy all the moves to their repertoire without knowing, without, understand, without understanding the reasons why, I think it will just blows, you know, your mind and then easily forget. If, if you understand, even though you forget, you can try to remember. But if you just don't understand at all and then you forget, that's it for you. You just wasted all this uh, learning time using the computer without having any significant impact to your growth. Yeah, the hardest thing that I've discovered, uh, for me, when I analyze the games that I've played, there's usually three or four critical moments I go back I look at Stockfish, I'm either correct sometimes or I'm incorrect and I and I find the reason why, etc. But I, I it it's never like some sort of crazy breakthrough moment where I go, oh, okay, well next time I'm just gonna like no, I I mean you just have to be better at calculation. That's it. Like you have to 
have better calculation and decision making, better psychology. Uh, I tend to use engines much more just for openings. Uh, and if, if I see that like Leela points in a certain direction, I'm like, okay, why? Oh, there's this interesting attacking idea. Okay, cool. I'm going to save this for the future. But yeah, I'm always fascinated by these top players who can just, they follow the third line of the, of the computer in openings, uh, but it's practically impossible to play against with the other side. It's just, you don't necessarily look at the top engine line, but you look at what looks harder to play on the board. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, like I was watching some of Levon's games recently, Yesipenko's games recently, and yeah, that's sort of the strat. You just, <laughs> you know, you get to a position that just looks unbelievably difficult for the opponent to play, and then you're up an hour on the clock, and then they self-destruct. So uh, what would you say is your split like you're training now. Like, what are you training every day? Or not, I don't know, every day, every other day. Well, openings for sure. I just have, I mean, I think we all have to keep updated about the current trends. I lost recently with this. Um, if you remember, Mamet Jarov played it against Yushapenko. I covered your game. Yeah. I looked at, I looked yeah. at, yeah, yeah. In Gibraltar, I lost this game against um, um, Algerian Grandmaster uh, Bilal, where he played G4 after move, like the third move or for the fourth move, it was, it was Nimzo Indian. Um, so yeah, even though I followed the trend, but still I couldn't make it out on the board, like what to do, um, how to punish or anything because- What was it, your initial reaction when he played G4? I was like, it was it was a mixed feeling. I just wanted to take that pawn and see what happened because so far no one have taken the pawn. Everyone was just playing H6 or you know just trying to stop the pawn or anything. But uh, maybe I was not brave enough, and maybe because I was um, not prepared against anything with G4. And I'm sure where you're preparing G4, the first thing that you check is what happened if the opponent took it, right? Yeah. yeah. So. I thought he would be more much prepared if I took that line. So that's why I dodged it. Um, but yeah, the next time I think I'm gonna um I'm gonna analyze it more deeper, more thorough, so that when things like that happen again, I wouldn't have a second thought of okay, going for like an attacking line or an active line instead of what I did in the uh, in the game. Yeah, I'm, I um, I'm, I'm looking over. You know, my if, if my opponent plays G four, I'm probably thinking, ah, shit. <laughs> like, oh <laughs> god, I can't lose this game in twenty moves. Damn it, you know, like I have to. Uh... But um, yeah, I I hate I hate running into just like you know borderline disrespectful preparation. Like, oh my god, this G four. Like, uh, I'm usually trying to be the guy who's playing G four. <laughs> um yeah i just remember in 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 that game because i i analyzed it like you went for just a practical decision to trade queens yeah. but some but somehow white is just like super happy just with the position yeah it was it was definitely not the okay the reason why i um decided to exchange the queens was the line that is followed up before the the exchange of the queens and i i had a bit of miscalculation there in that line so that's why the whole decision about trading the queen was it was a positional mistake and yeah white was just happy with the knight on f4 having no concession at all yeah it was it was a nightmare to play as black 
I have to say, I, I have played this G4 move in Blitz games. Um, I, I somehow get destroyed when I play it with White, so I stopped playing it. I played it maybe four or five times, and I just, I mean, I just get very aggressive and belligerent, and, um, and then I just lose. So I was just looking at this game like, man, how did... And, and he played it later. I don't know, I think... He played it again later, and he won. He won the game too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you... um, Who did he Who did he play it against? Then, I mean, we can... We can uh, obviously Guria. Guria. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did, did you talk with her before the game that he might... Yeah, we were kind of like, okay, we are the same victims of this G4 variation. Because uh, the, the female team, we, we had this kind of talk, like after I lost the game, okay, we had like a team meeting and so on. So we kind of like um, discussing about G4 a little bit, but we agreed that he would not repeat G4 anymore. Wow. <laughs> At some point, because I remember after I played against him, Bilal, yeah. two games after he played against Jovi, Jovanka Huska. And then she asked me about things like this. I was like, no, 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 he's not going to play this before against you. But then four games after that, he played. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I know. And he was, uh, he was two for, uh, he was two for two with this, with, 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 with this G4 mm. move. I've never seen it played in that, uh, uh, in the Queen's Gambit decline position. He played at move five. Uh, but I guess you can just play anything. <laughs> you can, you could just yeah, do anything. Yeah. anything There's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah, you can just, yeah, definitely. You can take it. You can just play whatever. Like C5, I think would be make sense, making sense as well. C5, D5, or all these developing moves. It's um, wow! I just realized that uh, Olga spent 18 minutes after he played G4. That's what I would do if somebody plays like G4 against me. I'm gonna sit there and just like stare at them, like, uh, man. Um, how how was your uh, your overall experience in Gibraltar? It looked like it looked like uh, easily the best tournament conditions ever. I mean, yeah, in so many aspects. Yes, um, tournament wise, I've always loved playing in Gibraltar. That was my fourth time playing Gibraltar before um, the demolition of the Caleta Hotel. It's quite heartbreaking to see. Um, in the, on the rest day of the event, like after five games, we, we, we had one rest day. I managed to go to Caleta Hotel uh, just to see how it was. And it was, it was, yeah, like I said, it was heartbreaking to see how the hotel is right now. But anyway, uh, I think I think they will always keep the tradition of um, the Gibraltar Chess Festival in every January. So I hope um, next year they will, you know, have another tournament, maybe different format. But anyway, Gibraltar is always nice. Also, the weather, I really like the weather. Um, January usually is very cold in any other part of the Western countries, but in Gibraltar, it was quite mild. Okay, just the wind in the evening, but overall it's, it's very nice. And the uh, tournament atmosphere as well. Um, they always invite the best people yeah. in terms yeah. of social. Uh, so we didn't feel like we were playing a tournament because every, every, every game we played, after that we always had like dinner together or we played some game together uh, without... Uh, you know, without having this type of 
rivalry you know what i mean like yeah. we we're just friendly to one another but of course uh during the game over the board we always try to give our best so yeah overall it was it was it was really great i was uh, i'm not gonna lie i was super excited after the first two rounds <laughs> I, me too i was yeah. i was really cheering for the men to get absolutely destroyed no disrespect <laughs> no disrespect to my to, to my to my dudes <laughs> I just, I really wanted it to happen, and uh, and I was excited that you guys made the comeback, uh, because there was a period I think they won four straight or something like that. Yes, exactly. Um, and uh, did is that something that you actively think about when you're playing in an event like this? Because on the one hand, it's great conditions. Gibraltar is like one of the best places to play. Um, do you actively think about the fact that like, man, if we lose and it's not close? You know, it's just, it's going to be a little bit nasty. I mean, it, it, obviously 99% of things you hear are going to be positive. But is there ever that thought in your mind? Because trust me, I see all the all these discussions, even in the smallest places. And uh, it, it's not it's not great. Like, you know, Alexandra's recently finished this tournament. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, mm, I know that, yeah. Yeah, so is that something you ever think about or not, not really? Is that just sort of... <laughs> I couldn't, I, you know, after what happened... Uh, last March, I couldn't care less about people's opinions on that matter anymore, right. about girls, about female in chess or whatever. Um, I think also during during the term and during the event, it was not going to help me at all in achieving what I wanted, in achieving what my team wanted, that is to win uh, the battle. Um, so, yeah, I almost never thought or, you know, if, 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 people out there on Reddit or on Twitter or anything like discussing about this female's ability in chess or anything. No, I didn't think about it. Um, and also I think it's, it's, uh, it's worth mentioning that um, we had a very good team atmosphere, like yeah. team Pia, uh, having Pia Kremling as the captain, uh, she's such, you know, a very good person. She's always giving like a positive vibe during team meeting or even before or after the game, like always cheering us up, you know? So we kind of like, okay, uh, we had such a great captain mm -hmm. and then we just had to give our best during, during the matches, you know? Even though there are no uh, 30 move draw rule or anything, you could see like we're all fighting our lives on the board. So it was, it was amazing, yeah? How friendly the tournament was, but how actually uh, fears everyone was uh, during the event, it, during the game, of course. Yeah, I had a lot of fun watching the games. I, I hope I, I hope other people did as well. It was tough with Tata Steel because yeah, if I make making recaps, uh, it's it's like impossible to upload two YouTube videos a day, even though I used to do it. But it's it's not it's it's not great for for your health. Uh, but, uh, no, I was, I was cheering. Um, and uh, actually one, one question, obviously you and Eric were paired in the final round. Uh, you guys, yeah. you, you both were like trying to beat each other. Uh, from his opening choice, probably he wasn't trying to beat me. Ah. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't, you didn't. You wouldn't play uh, four nights. I mean, there's not there's nothing much black could do, you know, in 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 such a game. It was all white's decision to to direct where the game would go. But um, yeah, I was trying to uh, because another team situation before the game against Eric, I was paired against um, uh, this Hungarian uh, international master Sonka Balash. 
where in a very pretty much equal position, I was white, he offered me a draw. But because of the team situation, I refused to draw and I, I decided to play on, but then I didn't play as well as I was before and I ended up losing the game. Um, but yeah, when you're when you're asking whether are we trying to beat each other, well, in my part, I was trying to beat him, but it was very hard if you're playing black. And also, I didn't expect that he would play e4. He never played e4. For, he <laughs> in, the, in the tournament, or you mean like um, uh, not in, in this tournament? I, we played like lots of sparring games together, and oh. I mean we know each other's repertoire. Um, he would never play e4 against me. But that time he did, maybe because, uh, okay, I was I was into E5. I mean, I played Sicilian as well, but he knew that I was preparing E5 and I played E5 the whole games whenever my, my opponent played E4 in that tournament. So it's kind of like predicted that I would go for this line. And then, yeah, I mean, it was, it was also clever of him to choose this line because uh, it, again, team situation, it's yeah. not really forcing him to win anyway. Draw is enough, so... Yeah, that's what happened. I do I do recall it was a four knights and it if you're trying to win with white, I just don't know if four knights is the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also as, as for black, you couldn't do anything, right? Yeah, in four yeah. nights, it's it. Yeah. I think eighty percent or more of the games starting out with this opening, it they ended with draw. There's one grandmaster uh who who who's from New York. Uh, originally from Uzbekistan, uh, Zhurebek. Uh, he he's quite strong. He's he's like I said, he's based in New York now. I've played him a few times. Actually, recently in the tournament, I played him as well. Uh, and he plays four nights scotch with white, like only. A and I just <laughs> I just don't get it. Like he plays it every game. He's just got a very consistent repertoire. And I guess his motto is, "I'll play an end game, and maybe I'll win. And if not, then I'll make a draw." And I just don't know. I look at his repertoire sometimes. I'm like, dude, how are you not depressed? Like, I, if I played like this every game, I just don't... Like, for me, I need to make, mix it up. D4, C4. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't play E4 because I just... I'm not uh, intelligent enough to learn the different Spanishes and Sicilians, and I, I, just, I just can't do it. Uh, but, uh, you know, you're an E4 player because generally E4 players are a bit more aggressive. Mm -hmm. uh, you have opportunities to, but doesn't e4 e5 like suck? Like, doesn't it just suck to deal with, or do you just tolerate it because you play e4 e5 with black? Yeah, I play e4 e5 with black. I play e4 e5. I mean, as as what, of course, I played lots of uh, Spanish. Uh, I play a lot, a lots of Italian. I also play four nights. I mean, again, I try to mix all my repertoire. Right, I play Scotch. I play many things. Um. It's hard because chess is, chess is, you know, in the end, it's just an equal game. So um, I don't know. I think it's a part of the art, I guess, because, well, you have openings like Nidolf, you have openings like Kings Indian, right? Uh, but in the end of the day, you have openings like Giuccio Piano, Giuccio Piano, and then all this um, uh, very technical stuff like in Petrov as well, you know, uh, sometimes you win, sometimes you just make a draw easily, but um, against stronger players, sometimes they play Petrov against you just to test whether 
your end game or your transition from middle game to the end game is good enough to understand the whole thing. Because uh, I'm saying this because I got caught many times uh, in such, not in Petrov, but in, in such a, a position where you thought it's just equal anyway, like it would be easy draw. But when you're playing stronger players who knows more um, positional chess than, to, um, than you, sometimes you just got crushed. So yeah, I don't know. It's part of the art. It's part of chess. You just you just have to deal with it, I guess. <laughs> what would you say is uh, the biggest, maybe the biggest uh, fear, or the biggest, uh, like uh, biggest weakness of yours when you play against you know twenty five, twenty six hundred GMs? Uh, I think my biggest weakness is I trust them too much sometimes in during the game. Like, um, yeah, you know what I mean? Like if uh, there's some calculation, there's a line to be calculated and then we didn't go to that line and then he kind of like approved, he also dodged that line. It's like, oh, that validates my, my thought where after the game when you analyze, you both just miss it totally, you know? So I think, I think that's something uh, that you know, keep happening in my calculation against stronger players. Whereas if you play against weaker players, you would be like, hmm, I'm going to check this line once more if we both miss anything. And you're being more careful. You're being more aware compared to when you're playing against stronger players. I think that's my big, biggest weakness. Yeah, that's... I, I'm trying to think. I, I don't exactly know what... Uh, it, for me... Right now, because I'm publishing my games mm -hmm. uh, and they get thousands of comments on them, it's very easy for me to start thinking I have a problem where I don't, you know? And that's like very, I, 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 I try to now post my recaps and just not even look at the comment section. Um, because on the one hand, you can actually get good feedback. On the other hand, you can get feedback that's just completely... Uh, you know, just completely inaccurate. Like, uh, you play too passively or you do this or you do this. Like, you know, you mm -hmm. don't trust yourself enough. Like, what does that even mean, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's tricky. Uh, I would say that, um, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think most people who are 2,400, uh, even though we sort of slipped down a little bit, but we're just going to call ourselves 2,400. Uh, <laughs> most people who are 2,400 IMs, that's sort of our issue. We, we play uh, for some strong player and we kind of go, uh, I'm not so sure about doing that, you know, maybe I'm I'm going for a little bit too much or oh they didn't play into this, so you know, they're or like they're letting me maybe go into this variation because maybe they see something I don't or yes. and then you have you have doubts, right? You have doubt of yourself. I think that's that's pretty much what they they can be impacted in our thinking. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to get rid of it. Uh, the funny thing is we are aware of our weakness, right? And we are trying to get rid of it. But in the game, it's very hard. Even though we are aware of it, it's very hard to get rid of this type of thinking. Like you just sort of going by default. <laughs> yeah. And then for me, if I have this moment in the game where I, I'm like, okay, like you worked hard for this, you know, you have to... Uh, here's your moment. Like, I, I've had these moments over the past few months. I'll be playing the game and I go, okay, every time you tell yourself about your weakness or, or this or that, right here, here's your moment. Like, right now, uh, improve. And then I'm just sitting there and I, ju I just can't. Like, I, I, ju I, I don't know. I just make a decision and it turns out to be the wrong one again. 
And then I get super <laughs> frustrated. I go back. I'm like, God, it's so stupid. Why did I? For me also, it's, uh, I think when I'm playing against a strong player and they play very fast, it's very annoying for me. I'm really worried about screwing the position up. Uh, it's very hard for me to understand that even if I make an inaccuracy right now on move 15, the game's not over. Like maybe mm -hmm. on, move, on move 22, they give me back the advantage or they give me back equality. This happened in my game recently against, like I played this Hungarian grandmaster, uh, Gabor, and uh, I was telling myself the entire game to speed up because I knew move 30, move 40, he would not find a way through and I would have no time. And that's exactly what happened. Like I gave him a couple chances to be plus one. He missed it. And uh, positions equality again on move, whatever, in the 30s. But I have two minutes and he has 40. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I wrote my own story to die and I died the same and I died that way. And it's, uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that. Like, I don't know if you play slow or play fast, but it sucks. And then you're like, what? I, I knew what was going to happen. <laughs> Why did I let it happen? I don't know. Of course. I mean, I played chess for like, what, 20 years? And I've pretty much experienced all sort of things, being too slow, being too fast, or being somewhere in between and still lost anyway. So yeah, I totally, I totally can relate. Yeah. What is your, what's your current uh, strategy? Are you playing too fast? Are you playing too slow? Uh, I'm trying to be. Uh, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to be prepared in the openings as well as I can be, so I don't. I don't use too much time in the openings and then just use all my times in the in the middle game and end game if necessary because um because you always have to um highlight your strength and i think my strength is when it comes about attacking chess opening position and that i have to calculate so before i reach to that point and it will require lots of time i will have to save time beforehand so i think that's my current strategy but sometimes it's hard when you're playing against uh, like much stronger openings and and they're just they, they know all the openings like the back of their hands and you know you're still taking your time in the opening like trying to make sure that you're you don't do anything that's idiot and then <laughs> <laughs> you know trying to make sure that anything that's that idiot. this is not going to be uh that's, that's yeah, my fear trying that's... to make sure that <laughs> and 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 my my biggest worry is that uh, if I stumble upon a miniature game as the losing part, I, <laughs> so, yeah. so that was yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my 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 biggest fear is losing fast like a complete moron, uh, and over the board in blitz. It doesn't matter. Okay, forget it. Next game, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what I was saying. If if I got G four played against me, I would be like, God damn it, no, Uh oh, like I now I have to really really try hard, and uh, and not do something stupid. So um, that's one thing about G four because it's a gambit, right? And so that's why I think this is my trick where I can also share it to your viewers that before a game or before a tournament, practically, I would check with my coach or whoever I was working with all the gambits that might happen, you know, like King's Gambit, Avan's Gambit. Um, wait, what now? Stafford Gambit, let's say. <laughs> how's, your, how's your King's Gambit repertoire with black? Is it good? Oh my goodness, it's so bad. If you would look at my game against Gary F. Timor, 
uh, I think it happened in Singapore a few years ago. I can't remember exactly the year. I think it was 2018. It was totally horrible. I could already resign on move eight or 10, but then I played on, played on, and played on until he finally, I think at some point I was like minus 50, I think. Like, what would you explain that my king was moved from e8 to d8 on move 10, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. So, yeah, I, I was ready to just resign at any point. But I just played on and played on, and he finally blundered one thing after another, and I won the game. That was the most... I don't know. It doesn't make sense at all if you put it that way. Oh, I remember this game. I remember. Yes, 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 yes. I Which year was it? Uh, two thousand. Uh, it was two thousand and eighteen. Eighteen. So I was right. Yeah. This was some GM Norm event, right? Yeah, it was some GM Norm event in Singapore. Yeah. After the game, I was just laughing at myself. Like I didn't believe what I was doing. And of course I didn't believe what my opponent did because at his level, it's, it's, you know. <laughs> like that game was a perfect example of never resign. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I had, I had a few moments like that where I was, okay, that part, I was in the winning part, but also the never resign moment was also, uh, employed by my openness in the past where in the end I just lost in the in the winning position so yeah you know sometimes you just don't resign but sometimes you have to know where to resign anyway but in my game there was even though it's resignable but there I was not really down any material okay a few pawns here and there but didn't really give me any reason to really resign unless you're playing in some elite tournament you know it's different reason yeah, one game that absolutely haunt it doesn't haunt me to this day, but uh, one game, and I, I don't have it anymore. I, my old laptop, uh, my old laptop is gone. I that long time threw it away. Um, I uh, I had a game against Shabalov, so strong American GM, and I was maybe plus two to plus five like the whole game, but equal material. So I just had like a big space advantage. And I had to try to win it, and there was a moment where we clashed, and like I, I had a win and I missed it and he won. If I won that game, I would have become an FM. So I would have crossed mm -hmm. 2300. So not like, I maybe would have like uh, gotten the norm in the long run, but uh, yeah, that game was heartbreaking. And it was just one of those games you have big advantage, but you know, what's, uh, what's, uh, what's the use if you can't actually get it done? Uh, but sometimes uh, in tournaments where you get norms, you have games like you had against Gareev. You just, you need a little luck and yeah. That just happens. Like you can't win all only deserved games your whole life. Sometimes you just stick around long enough, and your opponent does something absurd, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, and you win. So um, I don't know if I've had. It's it's actually funny. I think most times that I've beaten GMs, I I was like pressuring for a while, and we had some complex game. <laughs> In general, when I'm losing against GMs, I just lose. There's no. <laughs> There's no fighting back. Like I try my best, but uh, but they just beat me. Um, I think when I'm done with a game, I'm I'm mentally kind of done, uh, which is probably bad. I should probably get better at that, but uh, that's not so easy to do. Yeah, I mean chess is, you know, psychologically exhausting. Uh, sometimes you know at some tournament when I know that I was performing 
badly, I would say, okay, I'll, I'll just I just play for fun for the rest of the event. But no, you cannot play chess for fun. Like when you get to know your pairing, your mind was already thinking that, okay, what to do against this person, what to play against this person. And you kind of like start preparing, you know, you, you come back to your old routine of, you know, be having this, be having like a professional. And then during the game, even though you wanted to do it for fun, you can't, you know, every move bears responsibility and you will take your time. So in the end, the rest of the event would be just another proper time, you know, proper games for you, not for fun. So yeah, chess is like that. I, yeah, I totally agree. I, I've had bad results and I'm like, okay, you know what? Screw this. I'm not preparing anymore. I'm just going to go to my game. And then the pairing comes and I'm like, I don't know any openings. I have to go learn some line. I have to study my opponent's chess.com games. You know, nowadays you can reverse find people's online accounts. I'm sure mm -hmm. you, like, you've realized yeah, like, yeah. Uh, we, we, we shall keep it a secret, but you know, like, oh wow, they played some title Tuesday, blah, blah, blah. So you, uh, you know, you can look at their games and then you show up and, uh, I mean, you're preparing the whole time. It's not, mm. it's not possible to just play for fun. I, I, I envy GMs, you know, GMs like don't prepare sometimes at all. They just show up and they play. And yeah. I think because they already did lots of preparation prior to the event, right? Yeah, so yeah. they they think that it's better to just rest because resting is a part of preparation as well. So yeah, sometimes people think like that too. Do you do you sleep at chess tournaments? Do you sleep okay? Oof, no. Um, I always have hard time sleeping during chess tournaments. I mean, if, if, if the term is going well, maybe I will have a better chance at sleeping better. But if the tournament goes horribly for me, yeah, it's guaranteed I will have bad, bad sleep all the time. Sometimes I will, I will need to take a nap in the, in the afternoon before the game, which I don't normally do. Um, but sometimes, you know, when you, when you just didn't have good sleep uh, at night, you just have to take another extra time to to nap uh yeah chess is oh my gosh it's mentally exhausting as well every other yeah every part of your body is dedicating to determine like your brain your yeah your physique your mind especially your mind yeah I, I know brain and mind are not even the same thing. Like you have. No, uh, they're not. They're not. <laughs> it's like the actual brain responsible for making the moves, but also your mind wanders and. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. when it connects to your heart and then you keep making all these thoughts before sleeping and then it actually delays you to sleep. Like, for example, if you're um, regretting the move that you played before, like. I didn't know why I played that move. You know, this wow. is this is this is a cliche comment that made by all chess players, I think, in their life. They at some point they would say, like, I don't know why I made that move. And yeah, things like that. It's <laughs> Yeah, on, on, on a top five, top ten all-time list of what chess players say, why did I play that move is definitely or I don't know what I'm doing. That's uh <laughs> that's that's definitely up there in terms of Things that chess players say. I yeah, I know. You just sit and lay in bed like, man, if I just played that other move, I would have won yeah. the game. And and that would have been it. I would have been totally different. Yeah, definitely. 
Definitely been there. Um, what's uh, what's next for uh, for Irene? What's what's the next thing that you're doing? Are you playing in a tournament in March, April, Reykjavik? Uh, yeah. How do you know Reykjavik? I just oh, assume Re that the next global tournament is where you will be playing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm planning to play in Reykjavik. It's in April, but um, I don't know. I might, uh, I might come to London again for this league, the the English league, Francial, before Reykjavik as a warm up before the tournament. It's it's going to be in the end of March, so that's pretty much what I uh, plan. But okay, somewhere in March, I might go to some exotic place actually for work. Um, it might be Thailand because uh, we will have like the FIDE Continental meeting over there. So I'm also working for FIDE, if you remember. Um, I did I, I did not remember, no. <laughs> I, I, wait, I about remember, I'm not even sure I knew that. Uh, to do what specifically? So I'm, I am um, working um, in the PDC, it's the Planning and Development Commission, and I'm acting as the Asian counselor. So what I'm, pretty much doing is um, if there are federations or countries that need help from FIDE in terms of funding, uh, Asian federations, they would send a proposal to me and I would mm -hmm. review it. Um, and if it's all okay, I would forward it to my superior so, so they can get the funding. Uh, but if not, then I would discuss with them how to modify it, you know, what's best and so on. So. Uh, that's what I'm doing. So pretty much helping people. So I mean, it's 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 a good one. Um, so, um, so the last time we had uh, the meeting was in Dubai. So it was pretty convenient. Uh, I got to watch the World Championships, and the next one, uh, which is actually a different meeting, might be in in Thailand. It's a continental meeting. So. Yeah, we'll see. So after Thailand, then probably uh, England, and then Reykjavik, and then in May there is this Sea Games. Um, it's a Southeast Asian Games. It's not only for chess; it's for all yeah. sports. Yeah. So it's gonna be in Vietnam. It it was already delayed. Uh, it, it was supposed to be held last year in November, but because of COVID and things, they they postponed it until. May and then Olympiad. But okay, with all this Ukraine Russia issue happening, so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot. About it, that. Yeah, but if everything is okay, then uh, the next one after that is just oh, probably Bill. Bill, yeah, I like to play in Switzerland, so Bill and then Olympiad in summer. So that's pretty much it. Well, I feel like I, I, I was actually going to uh, kind of wrap things up, but I remembered something. You asked me to post a Twitter question. Oh, it's just to see if there are any interesting questions. There's a lot. Well, I mean, there's little things like what's your favorite color, but I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's, uh, I mean, you can answer that while I look for a more complicated one. Uh, blue, definitely. Yeah, I like blue. There we go. How? Uh, okay. Uh, this one got a lot of likes, so I, I will I will actually answer this one first. Okay. Um, how handsome is Eric Rosen on a scale of one to ten? <laughs> I, I will give him I will, I will give him like a solid you know like a solid seven and a half. Oh um, my gosh. 
Um, you can refrain from answering. I will. I will say seven and a half. So now you have to. You have to either go higher or lower, or 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 just you know, <laughs> um, plead the fifth. Um, Next this, question. Next question. Yeah. Seven. So, uh, it, it had a lot of likes. Listen, I have to go by the amount of okay, likes. Okay. Uh... We've been friends for so long. Um, <laughs> it would be weird to actually to actually judge him in that way of a scale zero to ten. Um, yeah, solid seven, half, eight. Yeah, that would be that would be my my answer, I guess. But when he plays four nights, like six, <laughs> like maybe five and a half. I mean, four nights. Like, what are we doing? Come on. Um, <laughs> There's some there's there's a lot of questions about uh, we talked to obviously Indonesia uh, early on but yeah one thing that absolutely fascinated me when I was when we were going through that whole thing last year was like Indonesia is the fourth largest country on earth that is yes. crazy mm -hmm. like I, yeah so I think people are just sort of wondering like what is the Indonesian chess potential especially with if influencers can get involved, like, is there hope for an Indonesian bog champs, an Indonesian big chess event with like streamers, YouTubers? Is that, is that something that could happen? Um, yeah, possibly. I mean, anything can happen here in Indonesia as long as, um, um, as long as the hype brings it. You know, like uh, we receive pretty much everything. Like I was looking at the economical market in Indonesia. Like we pretty much receive everything that's been sending to us. Like electronical stuff cars and things like that and it's just easier to to also receive things like this like uh whatever that is on the trend right now like for uh, for example chess yeah things like indonesian pop champs or things like that absolutely absolutely possible i mean just look at the quantity of the people um itself like we are a huge country okay i think the us is in the third right so indonesia just comes after and um, I think what, what we are still trying to get is um, whatever it is in Indonesian language. So that's why I'm trying to make contents in Bahasa, because everything else, you know, chess-wise, uh, the contents, they are just pretty much in English. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and well, English is my second language and I could totally relate for those who just try to learn chess. It would have a slightly different understanding when you're learning chess in English or in Bahasa. Like, for example, if you're, I, I for example, I learned English just because I want to get better at chess. So oh. that complements it actually in the way it's not only for my chess, but also for anything else that's for my social life and also for my school. Um, it's pretty much everything right now. But for those who just started out and try to play and learn chess and when they see that the contents of the label are only in in english and less of bahasa i think it's kind of like discourage them a bit and this is this is why i'm trying to step into the void but i cannot be the only one so that's why um this is why i said in the earlier that chess indonesia just needs its hype you know in terms of bahasa uh as the as the language to provide. So, and in order to do so, we need a few people, not actually few, like we, we need lots of people to do it. Uh, but um, in general, I think it's, it's growing in terms of chess itself and the chess contents in Bahasa, but I still, it's not enough to be at the 
extent that we are hoping it to be. So maybe, maybe in the coming years, it will grow better and better. And correct me if I'm wrong, I, I get the impression that, you know, while everything that happened with the whole, you know, Dewa Kipas thing and, uh, and even all the work you have, like you, you prefer uh, to be an individual who works on like a planning committee for, you know, Southeast Asia and you don't, you prefer to do something along those lines and compete and maybe make courses like in partnership with Chess Kid and Bahasa rather than being a YouTuber, streamer, digital chess creator who's trying to like make chess bigger on like social platforms. That seems to, that seems to be the vibe that I get, like, uh, unless I'm wrong. Like you prefer to do things uh, like, like those check, you know, check marks and check boxes um, whereas leave the, leave the tons of beginner videos and the, you know, the guest, the ELO and the selling parts of your soul to like me or Eric, but he does it a little bit less than me. Um, like that, that's, that's the impression I get. Like I, it seems, I don't know. It seems like you would get a little bit tired of constantly be, uh, mixing chess with social media. Uh, I could be wrong though. Yeah. I mean, uh, I like some of my life to be private as well, but sometimes when you're streaming and then you're exposing much to public, um, in the end of the day, you kind of like, I don't know myself anymore. Okay, again, every person is different. So I think for me, uh, I kind of like work better when I know that this is where I need it to be. I mean, I can. I mean, I was a streamer before and I don't know whether I still am because I haven't been streaming for so long. Um, but that was the part that I just, I just wanted to try whether this is, this is something that I like, you know. Uh, but one thing that I would like to pursue more is, you know, the, the improvement of the next generation, that's for sure. If I am being, you know, if I'm given more opportunity to grows for something like this uh, i don't know anything any any capability as on whatever in the federation or in fide or any partnership that i would love to do it because because this is where i'm setting my eyes to uh i mean i'm not i'm not saying that being a streamer or a content creator or anything like that is bad you know it's just you just just whatever you're happy to do you know uh people work in different way. So what we can do right now is just to appreciate one another because you cannot be, everyone cannot be like content creators. Everyone cannot be chess players. You know, people have to be something differently so that we can complement this life, right? Yes, uh, you were on a very good, um... Honestly, I, I, I didn't want to interrupt you. I also was very worried about responding because uh, my microphone shut off for a second. <laughs> so I was just really hoping that you would, uh, you, you would continue. I was in the process of battling my microphone to start working again. Okay, I'm glad that it did. Uh, no, I mean anything, a any way to, uh, to just... I, I, I really enjoy the process of thinking of, of new ideas and... Uh, mm just constantly looking at where in chess we're lacking and how we can, uh, how we can do better yeah, and, and, exactly. uh, and be better. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, I think, I think that's, that's what I find interesting. Although w w once you are locked into the content creator life, 
you almost have a routine like you need to upload every day uh that's at least me i i can't imagine i know eric recently took a almost like two weeks break from youtube i, I don't know maybe one day i i will be able to do that but right now just the thought of that is yeah. terrifying he uh, was he was completely burnt out and he actually made a recap video um every yeah, yes. game like after yeah, every yeah. game and he just stopped at some point because it was just too much being a chess player itself held so many responsibility before and after the game let alone after that he had to wear different hat as being a content creator so i think it was just too much for him to handle in 24 hours a day i mean yeah i uh i'm frequently coming back to my room with and, and the thing is in europe there's one game a day Mm. in most tournaments in the states it's two games a day so i finish my morning game i come back i have 90 minutes and 25 minutes of that goes to recording my video and oh my gosh on the one i don't know hand, how you handle that yeah on the one hand i i don't have to do that on the other hand it's almost like a therapy session so win lose or draw you get to quickly analyze the game and uh you you it's like right there your emotions are right there everything you calculated is right there Okay, it's very easy to say, well, if I just didn't do that, then I would have more success in the tournament. That's not true at all. Like, I have no idea, you know? Maybe if I don't make the recaps, I still have a bad tournament. Well, so it's, it's, it's not so simple. Um, but, uh, yeah, people were excited. Uh, to, I was excited to see uh, how Eric was going to do. And, you know, he had, he had some good games. Not, a, not against you, but, uh, you know, some more <laughs> in, interesting and exciting games. Yeah, and he, yeah, he, 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 yeah. He, he was actually he was actually performed better than I thought he would be because knowing that he never played any tournaments in the past, I don't know, one or two years. Um, yeah, he was actually doing just fine. I know. He won a game, I think, early too. He had like some good positions. I remember when he got some London trap on the board, I was cheering for mm -hmm. him. I was like, how does this guy have some scumbag variations in every line? <laughs> I was just like... I wish I could play the London and be completely winning on move 10. But he almost lost, I think. He drew the game. Yeah. He was, like, worse a little. So, yeah, chess is hard. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, Irene, I, I, uh, this, uh, this, was, uh, this was a lot of fun. So thank you for, uh, for hanging out. And, you know, we, we talked about a lot of different things. Sometimes in podcast episodes, I feel like it's, uh, you know, you're, you're sort of just... It's difficult to kind of jump from one point to the next, but... Um, yeah, this was this this was super fun. So I I appreciate you joining, and you know, best of luck with, I mean, you doing a lot of different things, and uh, yeah, maybe we can set up. I'll see you in the US maybe sometime. Yeah, maybe this summer because if... I'm planning to go. I haven't I haven't gone back to the to the US since my graduation in 2017, and now I got the visa. So yeah, at some point I can just come back, fly there, and see you. Yeah, if you if if you come, absolutely. I mean, I, I cannot say I'm going to go to St. Louis, uh, but uh, <laughs> if you if you if you stop by New York, yeah, I mean, I, uh, that's um, most people who kind of come through New York at some point who are chess players, like they have to see, you know, where to play and everything. So, yeah, uh, totally. And if there's some cool thing to travel across the country for, I will also do it. Uh, so, yeah, more than. Uh, more than happy to welcome you here. Maybe I will I will play in a tournament in Europe at some point this year, but pretty unlikely. It's probably more like 2023, 2024. Mm, I okay. I would rather travel with Lucy than travel for chess. I'm not gonna lie. So I would rather go on vacation with with her than 
go to some tournament and be by myself and uh... but sometimes it's, it's good to mix it up you know like after after a tedious chess tournament you can just travel to relax your mind it's 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 a good thing but okay i, I agree i agree with you I, I also prefer to just travel for vacation but sometimes i just have to have a reason to get out of this country that is for a chess tournament yeah i I am at this point kind of terrified of losing any more elo. I am dangerously low to a, a very like a like a uh, rating that you laugh at. So I've got to gain a little bit of points back, and then maybe when I'm my confidence is back and uh, things are good and I'm sleeping again, then and my dog doesn't wake up two or three times in the middle <laughs> of the night. Uh, yeah, we will think about traveling to some place cool. like Europe to play chess. Uh, but till then. You know, we're gonna we're gonna keep doing our thing, uh, and uh, yeah, I guess I always sign off by telling by telling my guests I will tell them when the podcast comes out. But I think this podcast is gonna come out basically like in an hour, so uh, I just <laughs> I just have to edit it. I you know we wanted to record this for a few days now, so um, okay, I'll let you know when it's out. You might be asleep, but uh, hopefully the folks enjoyed. And yeah, yeah. thanks, Levy. As always, folks, if you made it this far in the episode, I just want to say thank you for supporting my main channel on YouTube uh, and, of course, this podcast, maybe my stream, uh, and anything else. If you'd like to support me, you can get one of my courses at GothamChess.com or there are donation links on my uh, various uh, YouTube and Twitch platforms. Till next time, I will see you right back here in Gotham City with our next guest.